Welcome to Prioritizing Yourself, the podcast. I'm Jen Parker. I'm an empowerment and mindset life coach, NLP practitioner, and qualified social worker. This podcast is to educate, inspire big-hearted women about the importance of prioritizing your self-care to improve your body, mind, and soul. Each week, we will talk all things that affect and influence big-hearted women. This podcast is proudly sponsored by my Action Takers membership, from taking you from feeling overwhelmed and giving away your power to learning all the tools to feel more in control and more inspired. Have a beautiful day. Another episode of Prioritizing Yourself. I'm your host, Jen Parker, and I'm so excited to have the beautiful Lana Hill, who is the owner of Sage and Sound, and she's also an author of her new exciting book, The Slow Life Project. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Jen. (laughs) Now, um, before we get deep and know a little bit more about your business journey, your book, who you are, how did you prioritize yourself this morning? Okay, uh, so my I've got two things that I do pretty much every morning to prioritize myself. So one is to have a bit of a think about which value I hold, which part of myself I want to focus in on that day. And um, my one for this morning was about connecting. Um, I'm seeing clients today and, of course, I'm meeting here with you. Um, So that's one of my focuses. And then the other thing I do is I'm a bit of a yoga addict. I have an app I love. And so I went out to our little home office and went through a yoga session. Um, That's pretty much a non-negotiable for me. I love physical health and so being able to put that in place and my intention for my day is my mental health in place and I feel like sets me up really well for the day I prioritize myself no matter what else happens Mm. I love that and when you I love how you're talking about sort of values and we'll go a little bit more about you know how this came about for you and when you're talking about yoga, I, there's something magic about yoga. I don't know how you feel about it. Rather than sort of just another workout routine, it really focuses so much on that body, mind and soul connection. Do you find that as well? Yeah, I do. So I used to be a runner um, and then I eventually injured myself and had to find a new exercise. And I really struggled with that for a period of time. And I think part of what led me to choose yoga in the beginning was that you could put a lot of strength and a bit of flexibility and balance in there. So I quite like playing around with things like, you know, trying to stand on your hands. (laughs) Um, But what I found, like what you're saying, is that there's this whole other element to it that if you want to do things like balance, um, you are going to have to pay attention to right now. And I love that it is also, um, you know, when you're in a class or for me, I'm just using an app at home, but it's narrated. So it's like, pay attention to this, pay attention to that, pay attention to this. So, it, you know, it's a form of, of meditation in that way and that you can't get too far off track. You have to concentrate to what's happening right now. And yeah, I, I think doing that first thing in the morning, it's a great way to, to show up the rest of the day. Oh, absolutely. And it's sort of that mindfulness of being present in what you're actually doing as well, yeah. which I think is something that a lot of 
I think in the modern busy, and I'm doing that with inverted commas, we're saying we're busy, but we're thinking so much about, you know, future telling about what's going to happen or what if, you know, is going to happen or we're sort of so stuck in the past but when we are able to look at a different approach, such as practicing mindfulness, it really helps to boost our mental health. So thank you so much for that. So for the audience, um, would you explain a little bit, Lana, about, you know, obviously you're a psychologist and you've got your own business. So do you want to just explain to the listeners a little bit about sort of your journey of being a psychologist and how you actually came about writing your book and what your book is actually about. Yeah, sure. Um, So I first registered as a psychologist way back in 2009 and I was working for the Queensland government and I did a lot of different sort of placements within that and working with different kind of people and I knew through that work that I really did like working with people one-on-one and um, it was already then sort of being able to be exposed to ideas around like it's important to know what matters to you in life it's important for us to be able to listen into our own minds um, and be able to work with what's in there to make sure that the way we're talking to ourselves is as helpful as it can be Um, and I could see that the greatest opportunities to do more of that work was going to be in the world of private practice Um, and actually went and had my children um, after I'd been working for the government and then made the decision that I wanted to go into private practice. I already knew a lot about values at that point and about myself. And definitely one of the reasons that I chose to start my own business is I'm quite achievement oriented and growth oriented. And so I really thought that if I do that, there's a lot more opportunities for achievement and growth than if I was going to work for somebody else, which provides great stability and security, (laughs) which is some other values, but it wasn't quite as suitable for me. So um, I started my own practice in 2014, just working very, very part-time because my kids were really little. Um, And then as I was working with people I was sort of you start to see themes I suppose you know (laughs) Um, we're all a bit more like each other than we perhaps lead ourselves to to believe sometimes and there were certainly themes and then the longer you work um, I think the more that you sort of figure out the kinds of people that work well with you and the types of things that tend to work well for those types of people so what I mean by that is I'm quite a practical, action-oriented person. Um, So the people that were attracted to me and were working well with me were people that liked practical strategies. They liked to know the why, but they also liked to know, okay, so what do I do about it now? Um, So I was refining what I was doing with them. But the other thing about my practice is I would only recommend to people that they try strategies that I'd already used myself. It was really important for me to know um, that something worked or how it worked and what the challenges with it would be. So I had all this stuff going on in my own life as well where I was trying out these strategies. And it really ended up being that there are certain strategies that 
work really well for me as a person, worked well for the people I was seeing, which is a lot of people who are stressed, um, depression, anxiety, and struggling with life purpose as well. This was another sort of group of people that found um, the way I was working worked really well for them. Um, And, yeah, so I've ended up with these sort of themes about, okay, I think this is what works to live a really meaningful, satisfying, authentic life. And you can use it if you're feeling stressed or anxious or depressed, but the same principles are still going to take you from good to great as well. You just use them in different ways. And I guess, again, that comes back to, you know, we are at our hearts much more similar than we realise. So I was able to take these strategies that, you know, a lot of people think, oh, psychologist, I don't necessarily need someone like that. But there's great stuff within psychology that you can actually use in your own life, even if you don't kind of need a psychologist. Mm, Absolutely. And I think a lot of the time people have this assumption or belief about seeking support they think that they've got to wait till they've almost reached crisis point where yeah but I'm not I don't have a clinical um, diagnosis of depression or um, I don't have a clinical diagnosis of anxiety I just feel really overwhelmed and I'm not that bad and we almost minimize that experience we have but when people you know, seeing a psychologist or seeing a coach or seeing, you know, people who are going to hold space and depending on where you are in your journey and what you actually need is going to enhance your ability to see and perceive your external environment and how you're actually perceiving your thoughts. So I actually think if you're really invested in self-development and you're wanting to go deeper then definitely a psychologist you don't have to wait until you've reached that burning point you can see a psychologist or a coach or anyone earlier so you can have that life purpose and fulfillment and they can be almost like a catalyst of holding space and asking those important questions that you may have just kept pushing down your subconscious. You're like, oh no. And then it's like that. I was talking using this analogy with a client the other day is it's like um, being in the pool and having one of those um, balls, right? And you, you sort of sit on it and it's like you're sort of sitting on it, suppressing your emotions. It's like, oh, it's all right. And it will just keep coming up if we don't address the core area of what's going on so I think yeah that's really important for people to understand so thank you so much for explaining all of that yeah um so with this book because you speak a lot about values so how did this all come about and for people who might not really understand the importance of values could you explain the importance what is a value and how this can actually facilitate you know a support enhance your life and its meaning yeah yeah I think it's really important to be clear on what I I suppose I've got my very my own personal definition of what a value is so because you can often think values and think moral judgments and different people do have different ideas about what values are so when I was in the process of developing these ideas that 
Um, I could see we're going to benefit many more people than show up in a psychologist's office. It was really important for me to figure out, okay, what exactly do you mean when you're saying value? So when I say value, what I'm thinking about is the parts of life that energize you and excite you when you um, act on them. It's the sort of stuff that when you look back on a day and think, gosh, that was a good day. That was really satisfying. I'm happy with that. Your values will have been part of that day. And also something I think is super, super important, a value to me has to be something that could be lived by almost anyone, anywhere, at any time. And the reason I think that's important is for a couple of different reasons any philosophy I develop is going to have to be applicable to almost everybody. I don't want anyone to feel like they're missing out. <laughs> so we need to have this broad scope. Um, but it also matters because it gives you these ideas about, okay, I might love something like swimming, but if swimming's taken away from me, I need to know why I like swimming. You know, is it that I love being outdoors and being connected with nature? Is it more about, um, physical health and respecting that? Is it about achievement? Am I in the pool to beat my time every week? Because then if, you know, you're injured with swimming or like I was with running, <laughs> um, you can then have a look at, oh, okay, what else can give me those same feelings of energy, aliveness, excitement? Um, and we're all going to go through challenges within our lives. And, you know, I think COVID has really shown us that a lot of things can be taken from us really quickly outside of our control. And the more you know about those parts of life that light you up, energize, excite you on this kind of deeper level, then the more resilient you become to change because you can figure out, oh, what are the other ways I can still tap into this value? Um, and if it's, a, you know, thinking about your, your own character as well as part of that, um, I think it's really important with your values that you have at least a couple that, that come back to your character that aren't just um, things like creativity or connecting with nature, which is super important, but also how do I want to show up in certain situations? What are those themes in terms of, you know, what kind of person do I want to be? What kind of person... Can I be that allows me to sleep easily at night? But it's also bringing those feelings of energy and excitement into my life. Because um, if you can nail that, if you can put words on that and aim to be more of that, I'm sort of saying, yeah, you're going to feel pretty good about yourself. That's a real great base for confidence. And it's a really great base for feeling like you're doing a good job with your life. Mm, yeah, so beautifully said. And I really endorse you know, understanding what you value. It's it's basically what's important to you. And often when we feel like we're retreating into our shell and that it could be that a core value has been compromised and that's why you're feeling actually uneasy and that's why you're retreating from that situation is that a core value has been compromised. And when we understand for well, what do we value what's important to us and I love at the beginning you each morning you say what value can I uphold today I think that's you know something that we often can get into overcomplicating things or we think we have to sort of do this great big you know people think oh I, I need to you know go and 
do a university degree, for example, to understand human behavior or whatever, um, maybe to a certain degree, yes. But I think sometimes we don't understand the power of keeping things simple and just understanding that when we understand what's important to us and we are living to what's important to us, we're going to feel a sense of inner happiness and fulfillment. And often, I know I was like this, is I was compromising my values because I was so stuck in fear. And then when we really sort of tap into now, like for me, my values, I know my values very much. And I'm so connected to listening to my body. So, you know, we can be in situations where something doesn't feel right. You know, we, we can, it's like our stomach, our second stomach knows those things. And it's, I've been in, I remember, you know, being in situations where I'm like, my body is literally screaming, saying stop, because I know that it is actually compromising my values. And I know that if I said yes, that I am actually disempowering myself and taking power away. And when you can, one, know what you value, two, listen to that little intuition and go, well, no, I've got to listen to that. It's so powerful. And if anyone can do one small thing to improve their health, and mental health, especially everything that's going on, is read your book <laughs> because it really <laughs> goes into understanding the importance of values and how you can make, you know, small practical steps every day so you can see if you are in alignment, you are living to those things or you're not in alignment and then that's where you ask those bigger questions. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. So um, with, because, um, you know, there's a lot going on in the world and a lot of people are very caught up in, there's a lot of fear perpetuating, which can be one, very bad for our immune system. Actually, it's very damaging. It's incredibly bad for our mental health. So with so much going on and people can feel quite overwhelmed with all of the information externally, what would be some things that you would suggest from, you know, having some, an expert like yourself, who is a psychologist, what would be things that would help people, you know, move away from that narrative of feeling overwhelmed and stressed with the external pressures of what's happening and looking in a different light where they can sort of have more maybe control or power so they're not getting almost um, immersed in all of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think to my mind when we feel overwhelmed, it is almost always because we've kind of taken in a lot of information or perhaps we're generating that information in our own minds without processing the emotion attached to it. So um, the, I guess the general idea is that something significant can happen in your life and you would always be able to cope with the feelings 
that are generated by that event. Even if it's quite uh, a big chaotic event, it might take you some time, but we're all capable of that. What we're not capable of doing is taking in information that's not directly happening to us and the emotions that are associated with that. And I think social media is a really great example of that. If um, if you're scrolling, you'll see someone's post and it will make you feel something. You know, it could be happy, excited, interested, or it could be jealous, scared, confused. Regardless, you will see that and unless you are doing this quite consciously and you pause to engage with the post and to notice how you're feeling, what do you do? Now you just scroll on to the next thing, right? So then you've got this emotion sitting there that you haven't really paid attention to or processed and then you're on to the next thing and then you're on to the next thing. And if you think about something like watching a half-hour news program where they are flicking you all around the world and showing you things that are intensely emotional and mostly of a negative nature you can build up a lot of different feelings all sitting on top of each other in a really short space of time that you haven't been able to process and that's my kind of understanding of what overwhelm is and where it comes from on a day-to-day level that can look more like you know as you're waking up in the morning you're already thinking about oh gosh, I've got to get up, I've got to finish uh, cleaning up from last night, I've got to make breakfast, I've got to get these kids off to school, then I've got to go into the office, and gosh, I've got that meeting at 11, and before that, I've got to get these three other reports out there, and then I won't have much time to rush out and grab something, but I'll have to do that quickly, because then I've got to get back to supervise this new person, and then jump in the car to get the kids, and as you're doing that, when you're imagining this stuff, it is generating emotional energy. It's not quite as much as if you've lived through the experience, but it does create emotional energy in our bodies and our um, subconscious mind is just not that great at telling the difference between a picture in our head and what's actually happening in reality. And so you do this narrative and it's not even like there's anything particularly stressful going on in your day except for that it's busy but because you are running all these events that would normally take a whole day to go through through your head in what you can do that in like a minute right and you've generated all this emotion as though you are actually living through those events and so that can really easily create overwhelming people day to day so you know often when I'm speaking to people they're like I'm not worried about anything and it's like you don't even need to be worried about anything you just need to be out of the present and predicting and thinking about things you've got to do that are going to cost you energy and it can still be enough to leave you feeling overwhelmed before the day's even been started. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of the times people are that self, that narrative that people are talking to themselves and their future telling, oh, oh, I've got to do all these things. And what happens is when you start thinking all of those things, it creates your reality. You start noticing you're looking for almost that evidence that it is going to be busy and you've got a hundred things to do instead instead of um, practicing and implementing a morning routine and how you're actually approaching your reality is going to be so beneficial for you. Um, When you're talking about overwhelm, I hear a lot of people use the term, I'm anxious, right? Because we have those physical sensations. So how I talk about 
feeling anxious is it's the physical sensations in your body, unless you have a clinical diagnosis of anxiety. But it can be something that I think a lot of people um, misuse, mis- misunderstand what um, anxiety is. But from how I think it's understanding what is the physical sensations that, you know, feeling overwhelmed and really understanding how that, you know, knowing that connection in your body. Because what I find really interesting, Lana, is when I'm doing a lot of my work with my clients and they're, um, you know, a circumstance has happened and they're telling me, instead of telling me, and, you know, I, I use sort of a different, a, a bit of a, um, a framework and also understand I've come from a background of being a social worker, but they're going into straight away the feeling. So I find that when pe- people have difficulty di- um, knowing the difference between, say, a thought, a feeling and a behavioural outcome, and they go into so much the feeling, but then it's also understanding that a feeling you know, that emotion we almost deny, well, where do I feel it in my body? Because, you know, like, for example, feeling anxious, um, a lot of people feel that in um, like near their throat, which is sort of like that throat chakra, or they feel it in their high chest as well. So I think it's just understanding like almost stepping out, externalizing and looking, okay, well, where in your body do you feel overwhelmed and if you are waking up and you're um you're like oh god i've got a hundred things to do that's why it's really good to maybe what i always do um is actually wake up early i sit down i have my coffee i do some of my journaling i write every single day even if i'm on holidays my intentions of what i what I get to do, not all the things I've got to do. And I've broken it down into different elements that helps me. So I do it in um, one of my top values is connection, but we can't connect with other people until we actually connect to the most important person ourselves. So I write, you know, how do we do that? And then I might have what I get to do in my business today and I have a few things and then, you know, what I get to do if connection's my top value, how I get to connect with my children and how do I connect with other people. So rather than going into, fuck, um, I've got all this stuff to do and I'm feeling really, I feel really overwhelmed and frustrated and, oh, my gosh, because that becomes our reality is just going, what do I get to do? And what am I choosing today? Like, I think it's like looking at that, the linguistics in how we approach what we, like that self-dialogue. Like I'd be interested to know from you, Lana, with your clients and about sort of the, the big thing is people, how to talk to ourselves you know, our inner dialogue and, you know, how that's really important to have um, a good relationship with, you know, our inner being, our inner critic, our shadow, um, Mm -hmm. all of those parts. So I'd be interested to know from you, 
from a psychologist perspective, um, why this is so important. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting because you said before when people say to you about anxiety and you focus in a lot on the, the body and what are the physical sensations, um, because when I think about anxiety, what I tend to come back to is that there will be an underlying narrative, not necessarily I can consciously hear this thought in my head, but the idea behind it is I can't cope. And that's why the physical symptoms are going to kick in. And that is even why, and yeah, so I mean by like the subconscious nature of it, if I'm going to run through in my head all the things happening in my day, I'm sending the message to myself that, I don't know how to cope with these things. That's why I have to think about it and plan for it in advance. And so that's part of why the stress response is getting going. Um, and, you know, a lot of the time, obviously, you can cope with all this stuff. It's stuff that you do every day. So you really don't want to be sending the message to yourself, I can't cope with this. Um, so, yeah, what we want to get into is, um, if you would like to feel less anxious is to develop ways to be able to say to yourself, I can cope with this because that's a sense of power um, and somewhat a sense of control. And everyone needs to figure out their own answers to the question, um, how can I cope? What am I coping? So, you know, you mentioned one just before. You said, oh, I use my morning routine and that is a signal to yourself I can cope with today. I do these things in this order. You know, yoga is part of how I'm setting myself up. I will be able to cope if I've moved my physical body um, and if I've done a bit of mindfulness practice. I'll be able to cope if I've done some writing and I've focused on, you know, the choice and the privilege. You said it's kind of what I took from what you were talking about. You know, I get to do these things. Um, and I guess within my own work, what I'm often asking people to do and what I'm doing in my own life is saying, I can cope with today by pulling on these parts of myself that are the best parts, the values, right? So if I focus on the parts of me that I like using and aim to show up in my day using these parts, that's how I'm going to cope. This is how we're going to get through it, brain. Um, and what's interesting about first thing in the morning type stuff is that it has a disproportionate effect on the rest of our day. We are closer to our subconscious minds when we're first waking up. And so whatever you're putting in there first thing in the morning, your brain is going to decide is important and it's going to look for that, um, which is why things like just picking up your phone first thing in the morning can be really detrimental because somebody else is going to choose what you see first and you're not getting any control over that. Whereas if you've got something in place, whatever's going to work best for you, you're already setting yourself up as saying, I'm in charge and, hey, brain, we've got this, we can cope. Um, so yeah, that's part of it. And I guess the other thing that I think is super important for people to know is that being able to have that sense of, of I can cope, I can do this, 100% comes from being able to be there for yourself. You know, you have to be able to talk to yourself in a self-supporting way in order to be able to minimize those feelings of um, anxiety and stress because if you think about it criticism when it's coming from it doesn't matter where it comes from it's stressful right it's like you're doing something wrong there's a problem here so um you know often people say things like oh gosh I'm not getting enough done I'm so lazy try harder um but 
you're only adding to your stress when you're criticizing yourself. So you can't make yourself less stressed by criticizing yourself about how easily you're getting worked up or why can't I cope with this? It's only making the problem worse. We need to be able to make ourselves feel as safe as possible in order to be able to feel like I can definitely cope with today. And it's from that sort of mindset perspective that then you won't be getting those feelings of overwhelm, anxiety, stress, all that kind of stuff. Um, if you've been able to bring your own stress response down. And once you learn how to do that, how to talk kindly to yourself, no matter what's going on outside you, that becomes another tool around how I can cope. Well, it doesn't matter what's happening. I know how to bring my own stress response down. Like, wow, that's awesome. That's going to serve me really well and make me feel like I can cope. Um, So yes, I mean, psychologists, this is like, our work right <laughs> so much of it is about focusing on your mind and what's in your mind and making sure that what you're doing with what's in your head is is serving you as best as it possibly can mm, yeah absolutely and it's that the judgment we have of ourselves or others um gabrielle bernstein talks about the detox judgment and she talks in her book, uh, basically, um, these are judgments, n- not necessarily about like, what am I having for dinner? These are when we are judging others or ourselves. And so when we are making a judgment on someone else, we're really making it about ourselves. And it's that saying that when you're pointing the finger at someone, there's three pointing back at you, you know, and In this book, she talks about when we are making a judgment on someone else, we're deflecting from our own what's happening for us because it gives us um, a temporary relief initially. And then, you know, if we sort of have values and morals and the moral compass, we go, oh, I feel really terrible about that. And often when people like that, inner critic or that part of our brain where it's judging us our ourselves in a way that's you know not very supportive and it's going oh do you remember that time you got something incorrect or whatever and it's it's just understanding that our brain seeks evidence out of all the millions of things that we've ever done for like one thing or two things, or it could be even 10 things, but you have had decades of other events that have provided the opposite of that. And then how that inner critic and how we're talking to ourselves then goes into this whole belief system about how we feel and show up in the world. Like if we keep saying, I'm not good enough, you know, I'm not, going to find the love of my life I'm not going to get this opportunity we keep saying it over and over and over again we're not we don't have space in our mind or physically to actually bring in different opportunities because we're so we're only looking for that yeah so it can be sort of quite overwhelming for people I know I've been there myself (laughs) um Yeah, I feel like we could just be talking all day because the human brain is so complex, but it's so interesting. It's it's 
it's when we start understanding how we actually can make an impact in our own life and looking at different approaches and how the importance of values and the self-narrative and when we start looking at all of that, the results within our life changes, our trajectory of our life changes. We start being around different people or in different environments and we start attracting in really even better opportunities that we never even thought was possible. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Lana, where, because I, I honestly, I feel like I could talk to you all day. <laughs> But for the listeners, where can we find your amazing book? Yeah, sure. So um, you can find it online. So Booktopia is a good space, Amazon. Um, I have a website for the book uh, because it's also going to turn into a more comprehensive program and you can work with me one-on-one using the ideas in the book on your own life. So some people grade it self-study, some people really love uh, focused support and we do tend to change more quickly with that kind of support. So there's that one-on-one as well and all that kind of information about that and links to buy the book are at um, theslowlifeproject.com um and if you're local it's also in a couple of local bookstores as well so it's in avid reader at west end and books at stones in stones corner uh, so quite a few different places there's e-reader versions so if you want an electronic copy you can grab that through amazon or whoever you use to um, buy your books from too yes amazing and what we'll do for the listeners is we'll have all of the links in the show notes so people are able to download um, or will sort of be directed to your website so they can purchase a book and they can start creating change in their life. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for writing this book and really helping so many people. This is going to be, you know, this is this is such an important book for everyone to start creating change and really understanding the power of values and you know you go really into quite practical steps so I just want to say thank you yeah so much for writing this and coming on today no worries um yeah I really enjoyed writing it and like I said I'm so excited to get it out in the world and just have more people exposed to these ideas I think the three main themes in the book is you know figure out what matters to you in life maximize how often you're doing that and minimize the blocks to it it's such a good start for so many people in terms of being able to feel more confident um, more calm more in control definitely less of that overwhelm (laughs) so thanks for having me Jen yeah absolutely so thank you again Lana And to all the listeners, if you want to know more about me, you can go to www.realvisionlifecoaching.com.au where you can look at my membership that's coming out. And also if you are a local in Brisbane, Ipswich, or on the Sunshine Coast, you can come to one of my Sunday Soulful sessions. So keep tuned. Thank you again, everyone. Bye.